It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, joined as usual by my co-host, Matt Collins. We are here to bring you the best Red Sox coverage on the internet Monday through Friday, and we want to be part of your daily routine. So be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. This is your Monday, May 20th edition of the podcast, and on today's edition, we are going to recap the three-game set over the weekend against the Houston Astros. And uh, today's show is actually brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, and get rewarded. Speaking of Hotels.com, Matt, I'm coming back from New Mexico on a little bit of a vacation here over the weekend, so uh, I don't know what really happened with this series, unfortunately. Uh, I, I officially watched two innings of today's game, which uh, you know might have been the best two innings of the weekend. I was going to say, I think you did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's just kick it right off with uh, Friday's game where uh, Rick Porcello seems like he was pitching pretty much a gem against the toughest lineup in baseball. And, uh, you know, I, it, it seems like he outdueled Garrett Cole for most of that game. Friday, they should have won Friday's game. I'm still – I was fuming after that game, like, in a way that says more about me than anything else. I don't know why I was so upset about that game. But, I mean, they they were the better team. Uh, Porcello absolutely pitched better than Cole. Um, the Red Sox had a billion runners in scoring position against Garrett Cole. And then, I mean, to his credit, Garrett Cole is obviously really good. And he <laughs> he looked better once guys started getting on base. He was giving them tougher at-bats. It's easier said than done to get hits against him. But they just needed one of those chances to turn into, like, three runs, and it would have been an entirely different game. They almost certainly would have won that game. Um, So that was frustrating. And then on top of that, Alex Gore had his weirdest managing day of the year. Uh, First of all, starting Eduardo Nunez at DH and sitting Jackie Bradley against a righty. 
it's not like Nunez is a huge upgrade if at, at all at the plate, and then it put JD Martinez in right field, which is obviously a big downgrade defensively. There ended up being a play, uh, the Astro scored on sacrifice fly where JD didn't really make the best throw. Mookie probably makes the throw. It's a different game. Uh, but even more than that, in the eighth inning when, uh, he, Porcello was left in to face George Springer. As soon as he was left in, he, I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be a home run, but I mean, that was, Matt, that was Matt Barnes' spot. That's been his spot all year. Top of the lineup. Best hitters. Highest leverage situation. They have a one nothing lead. Porcello just got shelled by uh, Marisnik for a double. It was shocking that Barnes wasn't ready. He wasn't even warming up. Brazier was warming up. But Porcello being left in for that was just a bizarre move. And Cora kind of owned up to it after the game. But, yeah, that, that really got me because that's a winnable game against a team that's not going to give you a ton of winnable games. Yeah, uh, that that does seem like a huge gaffe on his part. I don't know whether it was just overconfidence or, or what it was or him trying to be more conservative with the bullpen, you know, thinking I, that he's going to need to use them during the rest of the series. But you got to win a game where you get that type of a start out of Porcello. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a little bit of everything. Um, I mean, to, his pitch count wasn't that high. He had 91 pitches going into that inning. I don't even remember how many threw, he threw them in Merznick, but it wasn't more than like three or four. So, I mean, he's still under 100 pitches, but um, I mean, it's the fourth time through the order, and the Astro, the top of the Astros order, even without Altuve, is just bananas. Springer is swinging the bat like crazy right now. Um, and I mean, that's exactly the chorus that he said, even with how well Porcello is pitching, you can't go four times against this lineup, so um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a game in May, but, man, that was so frustrating to watch. Yeah, and just to give the listeners out there an idea, the team was 1 for 11 with runners in scoring position versus uh, the Astros that day were 1 for 4. So clearly the Astros maximized their chances where the Red Sox just didn't. So it seems like the offense, you know. Should... The offense was more to blame yeah. than anything else, for sure. Yeah. yeah, they definitely should have. Like I said, they only needed to do it one of those innings. Right. Like it, every single inning, I, it feels like they had a runner in scoring position. I think like each of the first five, if I remember correctly. Um, or they had like five runners in scoring position in the first five innings, something like that. But they couldn't get anybody home. And that's, you can't do that. Especially against, when you're going to get a start like that from Garrett Cole, um, you've got to be able to take advantage. And yeah, like I said, it was frustrating. It was definitely the worst game of the series, even though it wasn't the worst game they played, but it was the worst feeling when it was over. Well, we can contrast that a little bit with Saturday's game, um, which, when I looked at the box score, uh, I didn't even know what to to think. Like, I had to actually ask Matt to explain to me, like, what the hell happened? Because when I saw all the pitchers... I was just like, there's no way they were going to win this game um, right from the jump. So, Matt, you want to give us a breakdown of just how unwinnable this one felt? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Hector Velasquez got one out and gave up five runs. And, I mean, that pretty much tells you all you need to know. Um, I mean, the, he got shelled in that first thing for sure. Um, the first two hits, I think they were the first two, or two of the first three, something like that, uh, Bradley and Betts both had chances to make like spectacular plays. Um, they just missed the game. 
could have been a lot different if they did make those plays, but at the same time, I mean, they were smoked to the wall at like 110 miles an hour each. So, I mean, it was clearly on Velasquez. You knew there was a chance he was going to be pretty bad against the Astros. He just, I mean, it was one of those days where he didn't have command and he does not have the stuff to get by if he's not commanding his pitches and the Astros are the exact kind of lineup that's going to punish him for it. So, I mean, he, Giving up five runs, recording one out, obviously puts them in a bad spot. But uh Brian Weber came in and pitched well in the middle innings and kind of gave the Red Sox a chance to keep chipping away. But like Friday night, they kept getting runners in scoring position and they would get one run across here and there. But when you have, when you're digging out yourself out of that big of a hole, obviously you need more than that. And it was the same thing. If they had one inning where they could have just gone on a little rally and scored three or four, it would have been a totally different game. But they were getting one run at a time if they were lucky. And it just, it never really felt close, even though I think it got down to three at one point, but it never really felt like that. Yeah. It seems like, uh, the rookie Corbin Martin, who was pitching just the second major league start, um, he only threw 38 strikes out of 74 pitches, gave up four walks, uh, five hits. I mean, it seemed like the time to get to that team was when, when Martin was in the game. Yeah, I mean, there were runners on base, uh, I mean, the entire game. And, I mean, even in that first inning after they got five, um, Martin got two quick outs and then l- walked three in a row to load the bases. And they got one on a pass ball, but... I mean, that was a situation where if they can get two, three runs, I mean, that's a huge boost after giving up five runs yeah. in that first. So uh, that was a big missed opportunity. I mean, it was two outs. You can't – I don't know what the run probabilities are, but they're not that great. So they got one out of it, which is probably the, what you should have expected, but it still felt like a missed opportunity. Um, we should talk about Johnny Bench. Uh, I mean, uh, sorry, <laughs> Christian Vasquez. Um, another – hit in that game uh home run sixth of the year uh off of the rookie a martin bomb i mean i think it was 285 feet <laughs> i mean at this point like come on man like after today's game uh this is his line on the season 316 363 535 two more hits in today's game this dude is just he's feeling himself it's unbelievable um, he bat, he hit fifth today. And Michael Chavis bat, hit first, which is another story, but yeah, I mean, it didn't feel weird that Vasquez was like firmly in the middle of the order, which I think says all you need to know about his season. And I mean, we were talking about it before we started recording. He's got a 337 BABIP right now, which is probably a little higher than his true talent, but I mean, it's not that outrageous. He's striking out at a 16%. Uh, he's walking way more than he ever has before. He's obviously hitting for more power. This is unbelievable. This is, I never, I feel like I've always been one of the more optimistic guys on Vasquez's bat. This is way beyond anything I ever could have dreamed of. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, like, Vasquez is fully fantasy relevant, too. Like, <laughs> this is Oh, just, I mean, that was... catcher, he's like one of the best. <laughs> he's gotta be like one of the best out there. Yeah, it's weird. It's just weird. I'm enjoying it. I am gonna, you know, continue to, continue to give you Vasquez updates on here, uh, and, you know, we'll see how long this can go, but it seems like he's made some real changes at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a different hitter. He's approaching things differently. He's definitely going for more launch angle. He's obviously um, benefiting from the ball being a golf ball. Um, but, I mean, everybody has the same ball, and he's... Christian Vasquez is tied with Luke Voigt and Josh Donaldson and WRC+. Plus. He's five points behind J.D. Martinez, uh, six points behind Mookie Betts. I mean, he's legitimately up there with the best hitters on the team. And I don't know. I'm at a loss for words. Yeah, we'll take it, though. It's nice. Um, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll give you a word from our sponsor, and when we come back, we're going to discuss today's game, the only win of the series, and uh, then we'll close things out. All right, Red Sox fans, I'm excited to talk to you about our newest sponsor, Loci. I've been wearing Loci bracelets for a few years now, as you know, and they are infused with water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. It's a daily reminder to help you find your balance during life's highs and lows. As sports fans, we definitely experience highs and lows throughout the season. Loci's game day collection helps you stay humble and hopeful while repping your team's favorite colors. And with 10% of net profits donated to incredible charities, you can support your team and support causes around the world. As I've mentioned on the show before, these come in not only Red Sox colors so you can support the Red Sox every day, but they come in Patriots colors and, most importantly right now, Bruins colors. Okay? Uh, Bruins uh, Stanley Cup starts on uh, Monday, so pick one of these up before the Stanley Cup starts so you can support these guys uh, and support all these great charities. And since Loci is a friend of the show, they are offering you an exclusive discount of 20% off of all game day collection bracelets. Go to loci.com and use the promo code BOSTONREDSOX, all one word, to take advantage of this amazing deal. That's L-O-K-I.com. And use code Boston Red Sox, all one word, for 20% off. So get out there, grab yourself a Sox bracelet and a Bruins bracelet, and uh, enjoy the playoffs. Okay, Matt, welcome back for segment two. So today they finally broke through against these guys, got the 4-3 victory. Uh, despite Chris Sale not really being his sharpest self. So um, I didn't get to see Sale pitch, I only got to see the bullpen today. Um, but what were your impressions of Chris Sale? I mean, he, he struck out 10 guys, but, uh, you know, it looked like there were some issues there. Yeah. I mean, the stuff was there. Um, like you said, 10 strikeouts and that's, I mean, 10 strikeouts is always impressive. It's doubly impressive against this Astros lineup. Uh, they do not strike out. So, um, he definitely wasn't terrible, but, uh, he never really seemed, to get into a rhythm. Um, Sandy Leone was out all weekend on paternity leave. Congratulations to Sandy and his family. Um, but I think it's easy to say it's all because Leone wasn't there. That's clearly not the case. Nobody's saying that. But I think it's equally crazy to not acknowledge that absence. I mean, it's something. And, like, when... Sale is on. He gets the ball. He is in this clear rhythm for every pitch. He has the same pace. Today, that just wasn't the case. Um, him and Vasquez had some miscommunications. Most notably, uh, there was a big cross-up that ended up allowing a run to score where Vasquez thought he called for a slider. Sale, or 
thought he called for a fastball, th- sail through a slider, totally crossed up, got by him. Um, it's little things like that that start to add up, and then that's in your brain the rest of the start because that was pretty early. I want to say that was the second inning. Um, and also, the Astros are really good. Um, there were a lot of pitches that went for balls that I think most lineups would probably be swinging at, but the Astros just don't. Like, they're going to make you earn it. So that didn't help. The fact that they were delayed now probably didn't help things. He had to kind of sit around a little bit. Um, so, I mean, this wasn't terrible. This wasn't the beginning of the year, Chris Sale, but he certainly wasn't as sharp as he could have been. Yeah, and and it also, um, you know, it, it seemed like um, they got a little bit of a break in today's game just to switch the topic from uh, Chris Sale just for a second here um, to – the, the end of the game when uh, Workman was in for the for his first ever save, um, George Springer was removed from the game and uh, replaced with Tony Kemp. And uh, what a blessing for him to be able to face uh, Tony Kemp to end that game rather than George Springer, who's been hot as hell. Yeah, there's a little bit of a difference between t- those two. I think I think that's safe to say. Yeah, um, and. So let's talk about the pen here for a second. Um, Marcus Walden was once again maybe the most important reliever of this game, probably be between oh, him and Barnes. Not, not even close. It was Walden. Um, so so t- tell me what you saw from him today because clearly his usage has actually changed um, since we started kind of talking about that last week. Uh, it seemed like Cora started thinking about that right away as well. Um, and we've we've seen his usage patterns be different. Yeah, I mean, he came in the highest lever spot today, and, I mean, I think it's clear that that should be his role. I mean, the way he's throwing right now, he's so good. That slider, I mean, again, today, it's just filthy. Um, and, I mean, I'm assuming batters are going to adjust to him at some point, but I don't know how you adjust to that slider. It's just, if he's locating it where he wants to, it's unbelievable. And I mean, today he came in, bases loaded, tie game, one out, and got a double play the first batter he saw, like it was nothing. And then the next inning he ended up getting another double play to get out of it. Another potential jam. Um, he's just, he's totally blowing me away. And I think it's all that slider. I mean, his, he's got, uh, I mean, his other pitches are fine, but that slider is, I would say Barnes's curveball is probably the best pitch in the Red Sox bullpen, but Walden's slider is not that far behind. Yeah, I'm not even sure I'd put it behind at this point, but it's uh, it's quite the weapon, and the fact that he's able to go routinely two plus uh, if if they need him to is just remarkable. Um, yeah, I mean that's a it's. That's not a weapon a lot of teams have. And, I mean, again, we're still dealing in a small sample. I'm buying into it um, just because mostly that slider again. But things could change. But right now, what he is as a guy who could pitch high-leverage spots two winnings at a time, that's a huge weapon that is pretty rare in the game. Yeah, and he's already got 26.1 innings under his belt this year. So he's been doing this for a little while now. Um. Workman, though. Workman comes in for his first save. Um, I thought he actually pitched pretty well um, for that for that first save. He did give up the walk, which 
you know, inexplicably, I think he pitched Reddick like he was something that Reddick isn't. Reddick had a pretty good game, but um, Reddick's been on fire all weekend, to be fair. Yeah, it, it, and that's something obviously I didn't notice, but I was kind of wondering why I was nibbling a little bit against him. But I was impressed with um, where and when he threw that curveball of his. He had no qualms throwing that thing when he needed a strike. Yeah, I mean, it kind of seemed like I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I might be totally off base here, but it felt like he wasn't throwing the curveball as much as he usually does. Um, he was throwing it when he needed it, but it feels like in most of his starts this year, he's like all curveballs, um, or not starts, you know what I mean. But it seemed like he was mixing in that cutter and that fastball more than usual, and I kind of like to see that because... He doesn't have big velocity, obviously, but these guys are sitting curveball, so his 93, 94, whatever he's throwing, that looks a lot harder when you're sitting on that curveball. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, so that was pretty good. Um, Bogarts had a big hit today, too. Who was your who was your hero on offense today? Uh, I mean, it's probably going to be Chavis. Um just he had the home run that was huge it felt like the offense was kind of sputtering before he hit another absolute monster i don't know what the distance ended up being on this one but it went over everything in left field i mean this guy does not hit cheap home runs it's unbelievable um so i mean i think that at bat alone probably gives him that but bets and bogarts back to back were more consistent forces yeah, it seems like Bogey had himself a series aside from Saturday when he didn't have any hits. He seemed to be pretty loud in both of the other games. So, yeah, he, he might be the offensive player of the series. Um, Chavis was great, though. Um, let, let's just go with a, a couple of your takeaways because you, you got to watch this whole thing this weekend. Um, I don't know if got to is a... Or had to. Good good way of saying that because it was not a very fun series other than today. Um do you still feel like there's a like a sizable gap between these two teams having watched them, or do you feel like, you know, the fact that Friday's game should have been a W and that today's game was, do you, do you feel like the Red Sox are still right there with this team? I think the Astros are pretty clearly better. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know that it's a huge gap. Um, like you said, Porcello did outpitch Cole. On Friday, I don't know that I would bet on that happening more times than not. Um, at the same time, Saturday's game was a Velasquez day, which I don't know is like that's a great representation of the Red Sox rotation. Um, but Houston's like above everything else, Houston's bullpen is so much better than the Red Sox. I mean, every guy they throw out there is kind of terrifying. Um, so, I mean, I think the Red Sox, with a move, with somebody else emerging in the bullpen, getting healthy, they they could definitely beat them in a playoff series. But, I mean, right now, I don't know how you pick anybody other than the Astros, not even between these two, just in the American League in general. Yeah, even even probably in all of baseball. Um, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are pretty good too, but, um, I mean, it's the Astros are at least co-favorites in baseball, if not the clear favorite. Yeah, I find them a lot scarier than the Dodgers, um, but, you know, that's just because eh, we kind of handled the Dodgers um, in the world. Kind of handled the Astros, too. We did. Um, but uh, David Price, I think, is just a, a little bit of an X factor here. He's supposed to start on May 20th, so 
Um, we're looking That's forward big. to him, and uh, but he dominated the Astros in the postseason last year. Fernlander didn't pitch this weekend too, though. That's true. So it's kind of scary that he's still a guy that exists, and he's going to be good until he's seventy-five. Yeah, he's lurking. He's lurking, and he'll he'll continue to lurk. Um, yeah, they're definitely still a reliever away, um, but overall. You know, we'll take we'll take one win against a team that was hot as hell. The the Red Sox today with this victory snapped a ten game win streak. Yeah, uh, I mean the Astros had. going in. If you had told me they were gonna win one, I I mean I wouldn't have been happy about it, but I wouldn't have been upset. Um, it's just the way Friday's game went just left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I hear you. Well, that's our show. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to subscribe to us so we can be part of your daily routine. If you like the show, please go on and rate and review us and give us a follow on Twitter. You can follow the Locked On Red Sox account at LO underscore Red Sox. You can follow Matt at Matt R.Y. Collins. And you can follow me at at Dev Jake. You can ask us questions and interact with us there. We will answer questions if we get them. Uh, lastly, urge other Red Sox fans to subscribe to the show. We always appreciate getting in new listeners' ears. Fans of the league as a whole, tune into Locked On MLB to get an overview of what's happening in the league in just 15 minutes. So thanks so much, and we'll be with you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.